Well, I think it's safe to say that modern science has let us down. Uh, I think not only has modern science, modern medicine, not only has it let us down, uh, it is, is in fact the source. It is from whence comes the, the malady that besets the world. We, uh, we cannot look to modern medicine, modern science to sustain us. I'm going to offer the opinion that likewise uh, politics has let us down. In the, the current state of affairs, we can't depend, right, in the full sense and meaning of that word, we can't depend on, uh, on politics, on government, uh, to, uh, to sustain us in this day. It uh, just is not reliable. And I know I'm going to get some strong amens on this, but the financial world has let us down. <laughs> uh, yeah, that which, that which seemed so certain, so assured, Not so. I can hear, I can hear the unspoken question. I can hear the unspoken question that arises in the minds of multitudes today. So where is God in all of this? Where is God? What's He up to? Why isn't he doing something? Why doesn't he answer our prayers? In a world of pandemic, a world of financial ruin, in a world of sickness and death, where? Where is God? I want to encourage you not to depend upon a third person answer for this question. But let's let God answer for Himself. But I'm here to tell you there's a lot of people that won't like the answer. The image of the potter, the maker of clay pots, is used repeatedly throughout Scripture to help us to know God, to God make Himself known. We're going to look at a couple of these passages this morning, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. And so we'll turn to Jeremiah chapter 18. Read just a few verses there. 
Jeremiah chapter 18, beginning in verse 1. I think it comes right after Isaiah. Is that, is that right? And right before... Uh... <laughs> Lamentations. And there's a, another sermon in itself. Jeremiah chapter 18. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. And he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to do. Then the word of the Lord came to me. O house of Israel, Can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord? Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. At any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it, and if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil... I will relent of the disaster that I had intended to do to it. And if at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will build and plant it, and if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I will relent of the good that I had intended to do to it. So God uses what we call an object lesson. He gives Jeremiah uh, an object lesson, a lesson in reality, so that, so that it might be easily understood God's message, plain and simple, seen in an everyday situation. Some have suggested, and I like the idea, that Jeremiah probably walked by this, this potter's house daily, if not once or twice a week. Very familiar to him. Very familiar to all the people to whom God was going to speak through Jeremiah. And God uses this situation, this this object lesson, very intentionally. God has something to say. God has something important to say. God has something to say that people need to hear. And so this is the avenue. This is... He don't, he don't use some boring preacher. Stand up in front of people, put them to sleep. Object lesson. The word of the Lord. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. So God speaks for himself. And what he says has authority. What he says, what he communicates through his spokesman Jeremiah is dependable and will accomplish God's purpose, God's intent through this very message. The issue here is a spoiled pot. Now again, I, I, I think this is pretty obvious, right? I mean, we see what this is. We know the potter 
his wheel turns around. Back in the day, they used their foot on the bottom wheel, then was axle, top wheel up here, two stones, round stones. And then as he pushed down here, this one turned, and he would shape the clay with his hands. Did I get it right? You, you seem to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, and, and, uh, and so sometimes, sometimes, you know, it just wouldn't come out right. And does the potter then, then take that lump of clay, that spoiled jar, pot, whatever it is, and just throw it away? No. no. What a waste, huh? How ridiculous would that be? No. He works it again. By his hand, by his craft, he re reworks it. And, and what, what God is, wants us to see here in this potter is that Regardless that the pot was spoiled, the potter was in control all the time. Even in the, the, with the spoiled pot, the potter is still in control. So the failure of that pot wasn't a failure of the potter. It was because of a, of a defect, a weakness in the clay. What was needed, what was needed was for another touch of the craftsman's hand. What was needed was this, this skilled artisan to reshape the clay to be what seemed good to him. Are you hearing this? Is this making sense? It was according to his design it was according to his pleasure. It was according to his will that the potter worked, reshaped that lump of clay to be what pleased him. Now God uses this object lesson, this, this message, this metaphor, or simile. Thank you. I need a school teacher to help me out. <laughs> so, so God uses this metaphor, right, to communicate very, very purposefully, very intentionally, His message to the people of Israel. The message that that God is always in control. God is always, this, this is profound, God is always God. And he is always faithful to himself. Our ideas of what, our ideas of what God should do, they do not constrain God's actions whatsoever. And so we see here that God has this, this standard of right and wrong. Talks about the, the nation that, that he had planned on, on destroying, tearing it down. But they, they turn from their evil and, and God relents of the, the destruction that he had intended. There's, there's a standard of right and wrong, a standard of good and evil. 
These exist. These are in reality. Good is good and evil is evil. Right is right and wrong is wrong. Absolutely a concept that has been lost in our world today. Where good is called evil and where evil is called good. But God's standard, God's measure, God's expectations have not changed. And these are the standards by which God measures the actions of men and nations. When when men repent of their evil, God relents. God doesn't change. God doesn't change his mind, but rather he is true to himself. He is true to his nature to accept the repentance in men, in people. You see, God didn't change. Man changed. It is God's character, it is God's intent to accept repentance. And when men do evil, God will not bless. And so it is the craft of nations, of peoples, in the hands of sovereign God. He shapes people according to His will as it seems good to him to do. An ugly, ugly message. How ugly is the sovereignty of God in the mind of modern man? How how unacceptable to the rugged individualist who blazes his own trail, who says with the king of Babylon, I will. I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself, I will make myself like the Most High. Jeremiah was God's spokesman to just such people. Later on in this chapter, the quote is, they said, we will follow our own plans and we will everyone act according to to the stubbornness of his evil heart. Does that sound familiar? Yes, it does. And so the message this morning is to to those that, that believe they can continue to look to modern science for hope, for for to be sustained for life, that modern medicine will be the salvation of us all to those that think the government's going to come through 
to think if we can just get fill-in-the-blank elected, everything will be all right. To those that think, I can, I can play the market. I can come back. I can get past a season of financial downturn. To those, God says, according to what seems good to me is what will occur. The sovereignty of God is always, is always that which determines the paths of man. Spoiled in the potter's hands, he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to him to do. In this situation, as Jeremiah was speaking God's message to the nation of Israel, the reworking that the potter was to do, the, the reworking of, of Israel in the hands of sovereign God was sending an army to devastate the land and all but destroy the people. Until they would repent. Until they would turn from their evil. Reshaping to what seems good to him. Bringing, bringing God's message into our own lives. The situation, the circumstances are, are, are in the hands of God. If, if, we, should, if we should live for, for an, another hundred years, praise be His name. But if tomorrow, if tomorrow should be the day that I breathe my last, then praise be to His name. For He, He is shaping, He is working all things according to His divine will. I want to encourage you to, to not think, Bill, you're, you're, being, you're being very casual here about this. Sounds very Pollyanna. But not at all. Not at all. For this is faith. This is faith. This is believing God's Word. This is trusting in His promises. This is having the confident assurance that all that God has said is yea and amen. For to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Come, Lord Jesus.
Now, Paul uses the same object lesson, the same principle in the book of Romans to demonstrate God's faithfulness to His Word, God's sovereignty over the election of His people. Now, the Apostle Paul here was writing, but this is, this is no less God, God Himself, revealing Himself to those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. Romans chapter 9, verse 21. I'm going to skip around some, so keep your finger there. 921. Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? So you see, once again, God, God is using this object lesson, this picture, this illustration, this metaphor to reveal himself, to make himself known, to make his ways known to his people. I want to pick up in verse 24. Even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles, as indeed he says in Hosea, those who were not my people I will call my people, and her who was not beloved I will call beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called sons of the living God. So Paul is building the case here in Romans chapter 9. The case that he started in Romans chapter 8, as a matter of fact, the case that he started back in Romans chapter 1 that he's been building all along. He's building here the case that, understand, for the, for the comfort that we would have the comfort that can be known in the sovereignty of God. He transitions from God hardening Pharaoh's heart earlier in chapter 9. He, he talks about how God hardened Pharaoh's heart so that, so that he would be glorified in, in the uh, rescue, the salvation of Israel. So he transitions from from God hardening Pharaoh's heart with this very obvious objection in in verse 19. And again, this is this is this is what this is what people say, what people will say in objecting to to the sovereignty of God, the sovereignty of God's will. Verse 19. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault for who can resist his, his will? But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, Why have you made me like this? This is the other side of that satanic I will coin. The unrepentant sinner cast his own sinfulness back on God. He says his sinfulness is God's fault. 
God is to blame. I'm only doing what was God's will for me to do. If God's sovereign will is is absolute, then I can't be justly held accountable for my actions. So so Paul sets forth the, the question, the case, the response. And then the cynic is rebuked. Who are you, O man, to answer back to God? God does not answer to you. The Creator does not answer to the created. God is accountable to God. God is accountable to His own self, to His own nature, to His own character. God is true. God is faithful. God is always For our part, we can, we can only fall on our faces in adoration and gratefulness. For He has given us life. He has given us life and, and He has given us a garden in which to live. I know that's not true for everybody around the world, but but I truly cannot walk in their shoes. But I know that God has given me a garden in which to live. A beautiful, marvelously wonderful, generous world that He has created for me. He's, he's given us purpose. He's given us the, the, the purpose in life. A, a job to do, if you will. He's, he's given us the glory of His creation. He sends the rain. He sends the rain on the just and the unjust. He gives us the, the glory of the sun. They're just amazing, miraculous thing up there in the sky that makes stuff grow. If you stand out in it 10 minutes a day, you have enough vitamin D. Is that right? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? All you got to do is stand out in the sun. You get all your vitamin D. If you had chlorophyll in it, you'd grow. Isn't God wonderful? The moon and the stars for the glory of the night. He's given us companionship. And none of this, none of this, none is by our own hand. We didn't do any of it. Can't, you know, 
if I had, if I'd had a, a teleprompter, what, no, not teleprompter, a screen thing, right? At this point, I'd have put up some of the some of the most wonderful things that mankind has created. You know, I might have done you know the pyramids or something like that, and then I'd have done that that amazing building that they built in Singapore. Uh, I, I think it was fixing to fall at one time. I reckon it's still up. Um, you know what I'm talking about. Just miles and miles of corn growing in, in Iowa. Um, and in the final analysis, we didn't create any of it. It's all the hand of God. God created it all. We might have reconfigured it and, and stacked it differently, but it was God's creation. Who are you, O oh man? to answer back to God. Let us worship Him. Created by the Word of God, according to the will of God, for the glory of God. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. God's will. Good acceptable and perfect. God's will that we would, we would turn away from our sin and self. That we re- would repent. Trust in His promise of forgiveness. According, somebody's tuna fish is ready. <laughs> I don't know. If you need my shotgun, let me know. So, just shoot the thing. Um, never... Somebody with two ears, please come pick your ears. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I just heard it. I didn't know what it was. I heard it. Make that noise. Now, I'm going to have to start over. repent trusting his promise of forgiveness according to the sacrifice of his son even now in the day of his mercy as he patiently holds his wrath against the insult of stubborn self-indulgent self-will. He patiently withholds the fullness of his wrath that sinners might repent. Verse 22. What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, 
in order to make known the riches of His glory for vessels of mercy, which He has prepared beforehand for glory. Even us whom He has called. What if God? So, is the Apostle writing here kind of questioning, doubting, unsure? Not at all. But rather, he begins this statement with that, that question, what if God, to express our, our inability to constrain God by the limitations of our own mind? What follows is an awesome mystery that will not be encompassed by the vocabulary of man. God's power. God's power demonstrated by His presence with those destined for destruction that His glory should be revealed in those who know His mercy, who He he had already made worthy of His glory even us whom he has called. His elect. A particular people. A holy nation. The bride of Christ. The body of Christ. The family of God. To whom are given the promises of God in Christ. from chapter 8 of the book of Romans. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And to those whom He, pre- and those whom he predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. The Creator, Sovereign God, has done, is doing, and will do all that is necessary to accomplish the fullness of His promises. And so the Apostle writes in Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. From a heart of faith, of trust, of belief, spend time with your Heavenly Father and know peace in His presence. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with with Him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, 
who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. The absolute sovereignty of God is a source of sublime peace. If you don't have it all figured out, God does. If you don't know which way to turn, He does. If you don't know what tomorrow holds, God does. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they will be His people. And God Himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore for the former things have passed away. This is what God has predestined. This is what God has predestined from before the foundation of the world that He should be with His people and that they should be blessed by His presence. God did not predetermine that you would put your left foot before your right on the journey through life. But God did predestine where you will arrive. Predestination. Do you see why God must be sovereign? God must be true to Himself. Do you see why God must be absolutely true to His own nature, His own character? Fulfillment of His purpose depends upon faithfulness to His sovereign will. Where is God in a pandemic world where He has always been on His throne fulfilling 
his sovereign will for his glory in and through his people. Father, we thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you for the hope, for the peace, the assurance, the confidence that you grant to us through the reading and hearing of of your word. We pray, O God, that now the name of Jesus Christ would be exalted in each of us, that the Holy Spirit would abide, that we might be a people pleasing to you, bringing glory, praise, and honor to our Savior Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen.